everybody. Welcome to episode 43 of the Mountain Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Lee, with my co-host, Stephen Lewis. I've been summed up to Ed McMahon, pretty Ed much. <laughs> Haven't I been called Ed McMahon before? Who said this? Uh, one of our podcast listeners. Oh, really? Ed McMahon. Yeah, he said, like, you're like Johnny Carson, and I'm like Ed McMahon. Wow. Like, you're the man with the plan, and I just come in with the good banter and sometimes <laughs> some really good information. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I know who Johnny Carson is. I have no clue who Ed McMahon is. Is he a football guy? Sounds like a football name to me. He was Johnny Carson's co-host. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Before my time. That's I'm before your time. Well, yeah, but still. You're just a connoisseur. I just know history things. You're a purveyor of fine vintage television. Yes. Yes. That, that makes sense. Vintage. Yeah. Let's talk about mountain bikes, not yes. old television. Let's do that. Uh, this is where we talk about mountain bikes. You can go to mtbpodcast.com to find out more about the show, listen to episodes, subscribe, do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Find us on social things. The Instagrams. Yep. Facebooks. Twitter, all those Twitters. places. Yep. Um, and you can get all of us there. Send in your questions there. Send in your comments there. You can review on iTunes, please. Five-star reviews. If you don't feel that we receive a five-star review, let us know what we can do to make it better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that, that, I guess, intros things there. It does. A few things to cover. Yes. One. Uh, one, I'm selling bikes. He is. I'm doing a poor job of it because I need to check all the messages I'm getting on Pinkbike for these bikes, and I haven't done it because I just haven't done it. Mm -hmm. But I, anyways, I'm selling a frame. It's, it's a dirt jump frame. Okay. I can't even remember the name of it right now. I, this totally sounds like the things are stolen, but I promise they're not stolen. I'm not a bike uh -huh. thief. <laughs> <laughs> My friend traded uh, – so a kid went and rode his dirt bike – Loved the dirt bike. Mm -hmm. The kid didn't have enough to buy the dirt bike. My friend got a soft spot in his heart. And the kid was like, I have a little bit of money and all of these bicycle things. And my friend was like, sure, why not? I have a friend who likes bicycles. I'm sure he can help me sell them. So your friend so, didn't steal the bikes. No. But the kid who swindled him out of the dirt bike <laughs> may have. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but kidding. it's very possible. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's uh, – so one of them is – I think it's a Slater. No, gosh, man. I really need to know it's what black. it is. It's a black dirt jump frame. <laughs> Yeah. It does the, the top headset cup or the top spot where you might thread in a headset there. It's Has some marring on it, but it, it'll actually still press a bearing. I think you can still get it in there. Yeah. It's just fine. Um, I'm just selling that thing for like 280 bucks. Yeah. It's like practically new other mm -hmm. than that little marring up top. So if anybody wants a dirt jump, jump frame, let me know. And then a YT2S Carbon Pro, I think. It's got their, the SRAM one by DH drive trying. It's got a boxer up front and then it's got a, uh, coil rock shock shock mm -hmm. E13 cranks, I believe. Um, I don't know. It's a pretty rad bike. But it's on pink bike, right? It's on pink bike. You can go check it out. If you look up YT2SCF, you'll see it on there in the mm -hmm. buy and sell area. Um, podcast listeners, you'll get 50 bucks off. I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you're selling a frame for 280 bucks, it's quite a large that's portion. A, that's a large percentage. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. almost 20%. Yeah. And I think, man, I can't even remember the DH bike. I'm selling it for somewhere around like 2,500 bucks or something. Like okay. That. Pretty darn cheap. What else are you It's doing? in great shape. What are you selling? That's it, man. I think. Am right. I selling something else? I don't know. No. Yeah. I'm not selling anything else yet. I might, although my ASR will be for sale at some point coming up soon. Uh-huh. So, so if you want a piece of history yeah. in the mountain bike world, yeah, we'll even sign it, both of us. <laughs> Truth. I'm getting uh, new decals printed for it too, by the way. Oh, nice. So the, the owner's going to get, the new owner is going to get new decal sets. Brand new decals. <whistles> yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be pretty. And we will actually sign it if you want. Yeah, we really will. Um, Or if you don't want us to, we won't either. And I even have some like custom things that I've learned after two years of owning the ASR platform that are really helpful. Like for example, mastic tape on the underside of the, on the drive side chain stay underneath. Uh, that just stops the chain from slapping underneath there or from causing damage when it slaps, yep. quiets down the bike even more. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's like a normal chain stay wrap or anything else. It's just one spot specifically that you want to do because these chain stays curl and they kind of like curve down so much. And they right? dive down right, but right by the bottom mm-hmm. where the, the chain comes off the bottom of the chain ring. Yeah, yeah. So all that custom business, it's all done. Um, and the bike is beautiful. So at some point I'll be selling that, Yeah. but that's the selling stuff. Are you selling any bikes? No, no. I'm just making artwork out of my old frames. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah, yeah cutting them up and did. Why did that not work? So you were try, you had an old frame and you were going to cut it in half and put it on the wall. Yeah, I was trying to fillet my old Super X frame, which would look cool. I've wanted to do that as yeah. well. Yeah, I I ended up getting half of it to work, but I got frustrated when things weren't going my way, and I ended up ripping part of it apart. Where did you encounter the problems? Ah. I don't know. I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> I was just you wiped it from your I was, mind. I was just frustrated, and the sawzall wasn't working well. So gotcha. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we should give you an update. Stickers are coming. Finally. Finally. We forgot about. Thanks, them. Sticker Mule. You jerks. Yeah. They charged us, and then they never sent them out. And they said, "Oh yeah, the order is just waiting." So yeah, it's yeah, on hold nice. for whatever reason. Yeah. Anyways, they're on their way. Mm-hmm. Those will be in the store soon. I even. Um, so we're going to run through this first batch of stickers and then I've got more designs. So we'll be trickling out more designs as time goes on. Yeah. It'll be cool stuff. Cool. I'll show you some of those designs. I haven't Sweet. shown them to yeah, you. Yeah. I haven't even seen them yet. Uh, next Sedona. The mountain bike festival. Yeah. It's happening and we're, we're going done. to it. Uh, we, we, you know, we're committed to it because we have hotel things now. We do. Yeah. We paid for those. Yeah. Um, we already have a photographer staying with us, by the way. Um, okay. he's going to basically just be like our couch guy, so to Three speak. monkeys on the bed. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be staying with us. So, but if you're going to be going to Sedona mountain bike festival, let us know. And if we have enough people that are there that are listeners, we might do some type of a meetup or a ride. It could be fun. Yeah. Regardless, we'll be going there and we'll be riding a ton of bikes. Mm-hmm. We are That's taking our bikes. We're taking our bikes too. Yes. Uh, our goal, which I might be riding something a little different at that time. Mm. Hmm. We'll see. Um, but he's getting a scalpel, <laughs> totally getting a scalpel. <laughs> Not true. Not true. But, no. um, uh, anyways, we're going to be testing a bunch of bikes. Yes, we are a ton of bikes yep. and we're going to going to be delivering firsthand reviews. Yes. A lot of people ask like, why don't you ever review this bike or talk about this bike? And it's because we just don't have experience with that. So rather than guessing at those sort of things, we mm-hmm. don't talk about them. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. So, so hopefully we get to ride some stuff that we don't get a chance to ride around here. Totally. That's what I'm looking to do. So, uh, anyways, we're going to be there from March 2nd to March 4th. So in Sedona, Arizona. So if you're there, let us know. And on the way home, we're going to stop in Vegas overnight. Yes. So if anybody wants to buy us dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I like that. Very subtle. Nice one. Very subtle. Very subtle. Yeah. Um, We'll sign your baby if you buy us dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But if anybody is in Vegas, let us know. It could be... uh, could be cool to meet up. Um, I don't really do Vegas like most people do Vegas. Which, yeah, neither do I. And yeah, so. Yeah. We're going to so, stay away from the strip is what you're saying. Yeah, we're not looking to do Vegas as, as people usually do Vegas. Yeah. We're just looking probably for a, we're going to, it'd be cool to meet up with some folks if they're there. Maybe from, do a dinner or something listeners. with some yeah. people and then chill and then finish cool. the eight hours home. Yeah, yeah, that's it, man. So let us know. Um, Steven, this is just going to be a questions episode. Yes, it is. Shall we dig in? Shall we? I mean, we shall or whatever, (laughs) something. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah.
Question. It's a ridiculous question. False. Well, that's debatable. All right. First one is Alyssa is actually less of a question. We have a few comments kind of following up things because y'all are awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a community, Stephen, people helping other people. Yay. Uh, so this one says, not a question, but maybe helping on a question about Houston mountain biking. I've ridden at Huntsville State Park and Double Lake, which are both northwest of Houston. The dirt and conditions are, aren't are much different than, than here in Dallas-Fort Worth. The bottom line is 120 millimeter hardtail or full suspension is plenty. I have a giant Anthem Advanced 27.5 and or Bay Loki 27.5, and I'd take either anywhere in Texas. I used to have a giant trance with 140 millimeter shock, and it was great, but the extra throw just wasn't required. My advice is to get any trail or XC bike that he likes. Nice. Yeah. So we got um, some ideas on mm-hmm. on trails, trail networks, and yeah. bikes for the... And I also, we got a couple other people mentioning similar stuff to this. And then also that Austin has some pretty gnarly techie stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Uh, then he says, by the way, Gorba, that's G-H-O-R-B-A. You can go to gorba.org. It's a great resource for anything Houston mountain bike. Nice. So if we ever get questions like that, or if you guys are ever wondering about mountain biking in an area, let us know and we'll put the call out to folks. And then, uh, maybe we can get some other listeners to give you beta on those spots. It will be like a web of support. Yes. We're here to help. <laughs> Indeed. We're like the government. <laughs> We're here to help. Yes, Yeah. exactly. Uh, let's leave political conversations at that. Shall we? I, that wasn't political. <laughs> that was just government. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I said, John with many bikes. This is the next one says great podcast guys. Just wanted to add this for shuttle part, shuttle pad modification. Those are the tailgate pads that Mm -hmm. you put on. I'm using a piece of yoga mat on top of the pad. It helps hold the bikes more stable and adds three quarters of an inch of super soft padding under the down tube stays put without having to fasten. And he says, but thinking of spray adhesive or rubber cement to make it even more permanent, about 20 bucks and can be cut to do about three to four tailgates. Thanks for all the knowledge, John. That's that's a great idea, John. I like it. Mm. Yeah. You know what though? You can't have your toe mirrors up when you have a (laughs) yoga mat on your shuttle pad. (laughs) true. Definitely frowned upon. When it comes to yoga mats and shuttle pads, now I'm going to just stay here. You, know? <laughs> you are such a terrible human. Oh, man. Okay. Anyways, Jeff, he says, hey, guys, love the podcast. Listen to it every day on my commute to the bike shop and constantly use this newfound knowledge at work. But being a senior in high school, I'm forced, I'm more focused, forgive me, on college next year and was wondering what colleges y'all would attend if you were a senior on the verge of graduating. I'm looking to attend somewhere with amazing trails and scenery as I come from Dallas, Texas, where there isn't much to look at except concrete. I was thinking somewhere in Colorado or Utah, possibly, maybe the Durango or Ogden area, but looking for y'all's take and possible experience on the trails in these areas. Thanks in advance. And he says, hopefully y'all can give some insight on some good college locations with sick trails. I, Jeff is a really good person. He's a good human. And you yeah. know how I know that? Huh. His his big concern with where he's going to go to college is riding. Yes. Not necessarily true. what degree seeking. Good trails you know, and scenery. What, what trails and scenery? Well, let's you know? be real. I mean, you're going to get a paper from wherever you go. Absolutely. And, and then you're going to get a university experience and you're focusing on the experience. And Absolutely. For my two cents... You know, depending on the on the, the the field you're going into, I think that your experience at college is much more important than the place you go because it looks better on a piece of paper. Absolutely. Yeah. Because at yeah. the end of the day, college is teaching you how to problem solve. It's not teaching you how to be a civil engineer or how to totally. be a marketing director. It's just- and it's what yeah. you do with it thereafter. Yep. It's, it's not with a degree, but what you do with what you, the person you've become. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to guarantee you success in your career. Yep. No, not your, and if you ever rely on your diploma just for that- yeah. you know, or the, the college degree just for that, then you're missing the boat right there and you'll Absolutely. never get anywhere. Yeah. Short lived. Absolutely. So I like this. Yeah. 
what colleges would you say? Uh, Fort Lewis College, obviously, huge mountain biking area. There, it's like the one of the fastest ones there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as like collegiate, you know, uh, teams go, but also, I mean, you're in that area, so you've got all of those trails. Mm-hmm. Um, anything? There's Marion College has a really good cycling program. It's in Indiana. It will not have. They do have some decent trails. I heard it's a very good cycling program and mountain biking program, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it gives you the scenery that you're really looking for. Yeah. I mean, cause it's Indiana. Let's yeah. be honest. No I mean, offense. Indiana is pretty, but yeah. I, I assume that what you're looking for is like a uh, Western mountains yes. where then you talk about like that contrast to just the concrete jungle. Yep. Yeah. I'd look at somewhere, you know, uh, Salt Lake city, Ogden, um, U of U parks. That, yeah. U of U awesome. would be good. Yeah. And U of U actually has a trail network that leaves from campus. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go and ride the shoreline trail and drop down bobsled into the avenues. And then the cool part is once you do that, you just drop right down and you go to tracks, the, the train or the, the rail system, mm-hmm. and you just get onto tracks. And then it takes you back up to the spot where you're like almost the top of the trail network. So it's literally like a Metro transit <laughs> yes. shuttle system it's for pretty bikers. Sweet, man. Oh, great. This it's is awesome. awesome. It's nice. really fun. And bobsled has like old random cars that you jump over. And then you also have, uh, right there, I think it's I street. There's the I street jumps, I think right there. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole like dirt jump area. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Ogden's great. And there you have, I think a Weber state and Weber state's a solid college to consider. Mm-hmm. I know a guy that's actually in, I think the business program there, I think he, I don't know if he runs it or what he does, but great guy. And they're right by envy and they have a lot of trails there too. Yeah. Uh, but I honestly, and I know this sounds silly, but I would also plug Reno. Yeah, UNR. Dude. Even Sierra College over in up in Truckee, California, yeah. or Incline Village, California. Yeah. Um, Sierra College has campuses all over. They've even got some in Grass Valley, Nevada City area. Um, you okay. know, any of those. But UNR, great. And look at all, like what we have here. And we there's have practically a trail network leaving campus there. You have to cross a road. Yeah. You literally cross a road and that's it. And it's, and it's vast. It's pretty big. Yeah. And we've got multiple different, you know, riding trails, you know, as far as forest, we've got high desert. We're an hour and a half from Downeyville. We're 45 minutes from all of the trails in Tahoe. You're like three and a half hours from San Francisco. Yeah. And we're close to Auburn trails, Auburn, Nevada city. We're close to mammoth. We're, it's I mean, a good we, spot. it's a, it's a good spot to be close to a lot of other things as well. There's Boulder, but the thing to know with Boulder is that you don't have mountain bike trails immediately right there. Um, they, I mean, you, I guess do have some, but the majority of them that are good are shut down. Yeah. You have to go North or South along yeah. the front range yeah. to get to trails. Maybe South like ride. golden evergreen, you know, three sisters, yep. apex park down right by the Yeti, uh, mm-hmm. headquarters. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I think that if I had to pick number one, I would say Utah. It's in, and I feel like the reason for that is because it's misunderstood a lot of the time that everybody thinks that Southern Utah is the place to go in Utah to ride. Yeah. Dude, Northern Utah is incredible. Well, just looking at, you know, at friend of the podcast, you know, Keegan and Sophia, Keegan yeah. Swenson and Sophia. Yeah. Via, you got to say it. Gomez Villafane. There you, you go. Because yeah. I just Vill- can't do it with Gomez Villafane works. Yeah. Just, She's okay I, with that. It's okay. I just don't want to say yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And you just say it so eloquently. Yeah. So, well, thank you, um, sir. Yeah. You know, j- just look at their Instagram feeds and their writing that they do every single day. They It's a beautiful area. It's amazing. So, yeah. So Salt Lake's pretty tough to be. And you can technically ride from U of U's campus. I don't think that you can connect all the way over to Park City on uninterrupted trail, but you actually might be able to. Now mm-hmm. that I, I take that back, I think you can, which is pretty pretty rad. Yeah. Like, because Park City is is heaven for bikes. So. Yep. Yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, good luck on admissions, Jeff. Uh, Dean says, "Hi guys from Perth, Australia." 
put another shrimp on the barbie eh? mm-hmm. <laughs> wonder, actually yeah, yeah really is yeah love the podcast i have just started listening and i'm up to episode 10 i'm quite a norco fanboy and i've noticed you guys re- very rarely mention them i was wondering if you dislike them or just don't know too much about them there's not a single bike brand i dislike yeah i mean huffy and mongoose <laughs> <laughs> even then they're kind of likable in a weird way yeah in a know? weird way yeah <laughs> yeah it's like the yeah yeah but i think it's not that we dislike norco it's that just like we said earlier we don't have a lot of, or I don't have a lot of experience on them. You and I have, have a little experience on them, but yeah. not a lot. So we, we try to speak within our realm of expertise rather than just assuming one. Um, this is a side gig for Steven and I too. It's mm-hmm. not like, and it doesn't pay anything, right? Other than the, the if you buy swag on the store, then we put that toward trips to Sedona so then we can make more content for you guys. Mm-hmm. Sure, Sedona will be fun. I definitely admit that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's... It's really, it's going to be a ton of work Mm because our plan is to review as many as we can, take notes and deliver good insights. So this is really a side gig. So if this was something that was like my full-time deal, we would have brands sending bikes to us all the time so we could test them. And we'd be riding those bikes constantly and, Mm -hmm. you know, giving you guys feedback, but obviously we can't. Yeah, we can't do that. So uh, we do as much as we can, and hopefully we can swing a leg over a Norco for you, Dean, and give you some opinions at Sedona. Yeah. Hopefully they're there. Or Sea Otter, because we will both be there for that. Mm, Yes. The otter. The otter of the maritime marmot. Maritime marmot, yes. <laughs> Paul says, great podcast, guys. A comment and a question. I'm surprised you didn't mention the spoke tools built into many multi-tools during your Trailside Repairs podcast. I discovered this while riding with a local bike mechanic this past summer. He had just built up some new wheels and wanted to adjust the tension on the trail. He asked to borrow a multi-tool and proceeded to use the side of the chain breaker to tighten up the spokes. I did not know the grooves on the side of my chain breaker were spoke tools. I learned something new that day. Sounds much better than the Leatherman wheel repair story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, some multi-tools have that. Not all of them. Yeah. Uh, I have a multi-tool from a brand called Cutter. It's not made anymore. And it came with a, a chain breaker that, that had spoke tools on the side. Yeah. Not all of them have it. But the one thing I would say with that is beware because spokes, if your spoke tool isn't precise on sizing, mm-hmm. then it's very easy to round out your spokes. The spoke and, nipples, yeah. And what, yeah, spoke nipples. And what I have found is that in a lot of cases, that's like a secondary function of these multi tools and they yeah. don't care about precision with it. It's them. just a way for them to say it's a 10 way tool instead yes. of an eight way tool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So just beware, make sure that it fits well. Yeah. So he says, question, how do you know what the maximum rear cassette cog you can run on your bike is? This summer, I converted from a two by 10 to a one by 10. During the conversion, the mechanic told me the maximum rear cog that would fit is a 40 tooth. How did he know this? Is it the hanger size or the derailleur design, cage length? I would like to know how big I can go for future upgrades. My bike is a 2015 Norco range C7.3 with the stock Shimano XT M780 60 derailleur really rolls off the tongue there shimano it does <laughs> wow yeah and installed a sunrace 10 speed 1140 cassette keep up the great work so um i looked up that derailleur and it looks like it can accommodate they say it can accommodate a 40 but there are reports of people using a 42 with no problems yeah. so it, shimano's always conservative on on what they recommend you know they tell you um that definitely easy on the party side. Yeah. No, they're, they're definitely reserved in that. Yes. Sense. Yeah. They, they don't want you to, to party too much, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but the, the fact is if you look at, that's um, not fun. You okay there, bud? Do you want to keep talking about <laughs> no, sorry. the lack of party in Shimano's marketing? <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. In their tech specs? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Continue. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Shimano's always very reserved in what they say that their their derailers can you know hold capacity-wise. Um, but you look at like my last, um, the Yeti 5.5 that I built last year with XTR Di2. Mm-hmm. 
um, the XTR Di2 GS, the mid cage Di2 derailleur, they say holds a capacity of 40 teeth. They couldn't have just called it mid cage. They had to assign an acronym. Yeah. GS. GS. GS stands for mid cage. Oh, that makes sense. SGS is long because the S at the beginning stands for long. Dude, Shimano, (laughs) what are you doing? I don't know. It's terrible. Like the Uh, brakes, like when I say, I want XTs. And then somebody's like, yes, if you have the M982s or 9082s, something like that, those are great brakes. But don't you dare get the M980s. Those were terrible brakes. It's like- why why is it so complex? Like I have why no is idea. it I don't know. I, don't know. I, I really don't know. They're silly. But at the end of the day, um, yeah. you know, that was a mid cage, that was a GS derailleur, and I used the um, E13 TRS race cassette, and that was nine to forty-six. B limit perfectly fine, chain wrap was perfect, never skipped a tooth, everything was beautiful, nothing bound up ever. That yeah, was yeah. and even on their roadside, you know, their the Dura short cage derailers. I've actually set those things up with an eleven thirty-two wide range for road yeah. with a fifty-three thirty-nine up front, and they work perfectly fine. Yep. Um bottom line is Wolf Tooth Components has fit guides that show combinations of cassette teeth, you know, capacities mm. and when on especially on Shimano's when you'll need the goat link and when you don't need the goat link. For you specifically though, you have the direct mount derailleur, so you can't use the goat link so you're limited in what you'll be able to run but that point. but that 42 tooth should be perfectly fine you should never have to worry about anything on that does d stand for direct yes d wow. is the direct mount so they actually did make some sense there yeah good job yeah um yeah the one thing i would say with this too is so a lot of people think that you can just buy the lower assembly you can just buy the lower arm they're the pulley arms that you have they're the cage yeah. that you have down below and they think that that is the difference right there and they can just swap it out and then it works but that's not the case that's not the case in the force yeah. one specifically absolutely yeah no there is a bunch of, sh- of things that are shaped differently in the base of the parallelograms not the actual parallelograms themselves right those are different but in order for it to clear the larger uh, cassette yes the body itself is different between the medium and the long cage. Yep. And so it's it's not like just a quick modification to your derailleur. No, absolutely not. And that's no. something that people should understand. Yeah. Um, so capacity, it's all it's all kind of a unique mess. Yeah. So you can't intermix very easily. Yeah. And that is that is specific to the Force One in Shimano's older stuff. It was the same upper parallelograms and base of the parallelograms with a different cage on it. So right. so you could go back and forth fairly easily, but on the Force 1 specifically, yeah, it's you're kind of limited, but at the same time, the Force 1 they say is good for 42 teeth and I'm running the TRS race cassette on mine as well. Yep. So I'm running 46 teeth and it's perfectly fine. In fact, I think my B limit is only set at 50% of what its capacity is. Yep. And even on the 9 tooth I never skip. Yeah. So it you have more capacity than what their technical specs with SRAM and Shimano both state. There you go. But you biggest thing, go to Wolf Tooth's website and they have a they have um, graphs that show you what they've tested and what they find for limits. Sweet takeaway. And that shows on on one buys and two buys. That's awesome. So yeah. Cool. James, he says, Hey gents, can you cover some info on the best way to store your bike for the winter? More specifically the oils, if freezing temps affect the viscosity and calibration of the brake fluid or fluid in the suspension. He says, I leave my whip out on my covered patio because I live in a tiny studio and would bring my bike in if the cold air was bad for it. However, I prefer the space. I love the show and eat up every episode. Uh, thus gave you a five-star review on Yelp. I didn't know that we were on Yelp. Yeah. 
If we're on Yelp, we should check that out. Yeah. Huh. There I wonder if we have any happy hour specials. <laughs> True story. <laughs> uh, from James. Okay. Um, winterizing bikes. I mean, boats you winterize. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, the, the temperatures you're going to see in the Northern Hemisphere, unless you live in Nome, Alaska, I wouldn't necessarily be worried about it. I would make sure that it's out of the elements in the fact, in the sense that you're not going to have snow and ice and stuff sitting Direct on the light. bike. Like you probably want to have a cover on there. Yeah, too. I would, I would cover the bike and uh-huh. you can actually find good weather resistant you know, covers specifically for bikes. Or you could even find like a, find a, a secondhand motorcycle one. Yeah. A I, motorcycle cover. Those ones are really good usually. Yeah. But as far as the fluids go, they're going to heat and cool and be totally fine all winter long just sitting there. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad idea anyway to be going through in the beginning of the year and flush your fluids and then end up like, you know, putting a new brake fluid, for example, yeah. and since you're servicing your suspension anyway. Yeah. You should do it anyway. So yeah. yeah, it's not a, not a bad thing to do is once you pull that thing out of storage, do that. So yeah. Yeah. I would just recommend covering it. Absolutely. Just make sure water doesn't stand on it. Mm-hmm. That's on any of it. Yes. Peter says, Hey, Steven, Jonathan, thanks for the great episode on bike racks and for answering my previous question about mountain bike tire rolling resistance. Question for your European listeners. Basically, on this side of the pond, there are no bike racks that don't grab the frame with the clamp, at least for hitch mounts. Kuat doesn't have distribution over here. Thule has different options than stateside. And the only major company that even offers a hitch-mounted wheel fastening rack is Saris. So the question is, if you had no choice but to have a rack that grabs your frame, what would you do to prevent scratching and all that? Um, Well, okay, so if you have to, this is assuming that you have something that is grabbing your frame. What can you do to prevent it from scratching? Uh, just simply wrapping your frame in a microfiber rag where it clamps and make sure that rag is clean and the bike is clean Yeah. before you do it. Yeah. I mean, I even, I even do that with my Kuat sometimes because it presses against my RS one in a weird way because yeah. it's a weird fork. Mm-hmm. So, um, I even put a rag on there, like on longer trips. I should just do it all the time actually, cause it keeps it unscuffed. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not a bad idea. And honestly, no matter where you're grabbing on your bike, chances are it's pushing into a, a chassis component in some way, not just the tire. So it's not a bad idea. Um, although I've seen people also use decals where their bike rack might like a clear bra type of a thing. Yeah. You just have to stay on top of that because it can easily wear through that clear bra very quickly. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah. That, and it's funny. I actually had no idea that that was even a thing in, the, in Europe. Did I. I, I really had no idea. Kuat. Yeah, I know you're a pretty small company, but y'all need some Euro distribution over there. Because I know that one of the things that I've seen um, as far as Europe goes, and I do recall this from a friend of mine on Facebook who I've never actually met before. It's weird. um, But he's a cyclist guy. And um, and I believe that they have to display their, uh, their license plates out on the rack. And the rack has to have either brake lights and turn signals or just um, reflectors on it so that, you know, people know that it's sticking out past. Um, And I'm actually looking at Thule's website right now for Europe. And yeah, it's kind of weird. Like they're all frame clamp designs. Um, Weird. Yeah. So that's interesting. So if you're going to do that, honestly, wrap your frame in something very soft and clean and just clamp it that way. Sorry, Europe. Yeah. Sorry, guys. This is from Nagasus135. Uh, I think that's how you say that. <laughs> uh, his God-given name? <laughs> sure. He says, hey, fellas, great job on the podcast. Nothing else like it out there. Five stars. My question relates to conditioning. Uh, I travel a lot for work in the winter, and I'm in and out of hotels on the road for weeks at a time. I'm a referee for the NHL. 
Ah, baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I have all summer off to focus on my, on my biking. <laughs> that must not be baseball then, huh? He yeah, says. probably not. <laughs> Three games a day, nine yeah. days a week. Yeah. Yeah. He says, but the problem I'm having is that I work really hard in the gym and on the bikes and I, and, or that I have in hotels, which, okay, I need to reread that one. He says, so I have all summer to focus on bi- my biking, but the problem I'm having is that I work really hard in the gym and on the bikes that I have in hotels, which can be good and it can be bad. I was looking at the trainer road stuff, but there's no way that I can train on a trainer all the time. So I'm wondering if there is anything you guys, you guys suggest I do. Yes. There's a video that we put up about a month ago and it's quite, or maybe two months ago. It's, and it's literally titled how athletes can keep their fitness on track while traveling. I think, and, and we is- have we as in trainer road, put this video. Correct. So it's I on guess. their YouTube. Yes. yes. Very good point. Yes. Mm. I'd say we, we've got the logo behind us and I've yeah. got the logo and you're wearing my all shirt. The clothing. Yeah. Um, you're but yes. company yes. man. Yeah, I am a thank company Thank you, trainer man. road. Yes. Yes. Thank you for letting us use your podcast stuff. Uh, but yeah, so we put out a video on what to do on gym bikes, like how to either bring power meter pedals with you, which would be a the ideal solution and then yeah. just swip, swap them out. Or if you can't do that, how to follow a workout with RPE. Mm-hmm. Um, basically seven and a half roughly is what your threshold is going to be. And so you just look at your intervals in relation to your threshold, which you see with trainer road mm-hmm. and you just go, huh, okay. That looks like it's about seven out of 10, nine out of 10. Sure. I know it's not as precise as you may think. And, and perception will, will change as the workout progresses seven at the beginning of a workout versus seven at the end is probably going to be different. Yeah. But that said, it's, it's better than heart rate. Um, you know, going off a of heart rates, it's extremely problematic. So yeah. anyways, uh, that's what I would recommend on that one. He says, I did a lot of interval stuff last winter and did not feel good when summer came around and it was very frustrating. I could understand that if you've done work and it yeah. didn't work and chances are, I mean, honestly, if you have structure, it's better than nothing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, you have to have proper structure. And especially in it with enduro racing specifically, mm-hmm. you can have fitness, but then you also have to have talent. So. Yeah. Cause he mentions, he says, I'm big into enduro racing. My main focus is to earn points to qualify for an EWS this upcoming season. Yeah. So yeah. Um, hopefully that helps out. And uh, when you're going to those hockey games, yes, I know what the NHL is. Mm-hmm. So just want to, I thought fit. it was the national horse riding league. <laughs> ah, yes. I'm yeah. sorry. I must've missed that. Going to the track. You know, I used to play hockey. No. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. I did not do too well. I wasn't that large in stature, but I was very feisty. So I just got spent a lot of time in the penalty box <laughs> from starting fights. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> or not, or not as many starting fights, just not backing down. Ah. I didn't take anything. I was a feisty little guy. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Dirt bikes. I couldn't really do that. You know, you can't really it's jump off. Pond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't jump off the bike and start bludgeoning somebody with a stick. So, I mean, it has happened. Yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> All right. Daniel says, uh, Hey all you guys are, do- you guys are dope. He says, I love seeing your guys in my podcast feed. I'm working through all the pods for a second time on my question. I'm entering into the whiskey 50, the full, the, the full proof race. Y'all should do this race. I have a, that's an epic rides race, by the way. Mm-hmm. Stay Those, tuned mm, for things. It does look awesome. And I hope, yeah, yeah, that would be a fun one to do. Uh, he says, I have a stock 2018 Santa Cruz tall boy, 27, five plus aluminum frame. What up- upgrade should I make in order to make this steed more suited to this race? Should I get 29 or wheels? I would yes, say so. Absolutely. Drop the 27 fives and go for 29 for that. And just get some, get something like from stands that is not going to break the bank and is a good wheel set. Yeah. That's light. Absolutely. Like go for the crests. Yeah. That would be awesome. That'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. Because that would give you a lightweight wheel set. Yeah. Uh, carbon bars. I mean, the one for thing vibration damping exactly on a 50 right? mile race. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would be nice for that. A motor. 
Sure. I mean, this isn't cyclocross, but or road. This <laughs> yeah. ain't the TDF. I don't think they they were scanned. Did you see them at Crossnats? They were scanning for motors on the line. Funny side story. Yeah. Um, Clinton Jen Classen from yeah. Sacramento CX or uh-huh. Sacramento Cyclocross. Uh-huh. Um, they actually got a video of them scanning um, their son's Strider bike for a motor <laughs> <laughs> in the awesome. kids' race. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, a motor would help. It definitely helps. <laughs> I mean, it's cheating, but yeah, it's help. cheating and it makes you a pretty sad human being, but yeah. you know, it would help. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, we're joking. We don't condone motor use on bicycles. And then, uh, actually I just realized that it sounded like we just bagged on e-bikes, which I have a soft spot for e-bikes. So. We, we bagged on, on motors in races where motors are not allowed. Exactly. That's right. what we did yep. just to clarify. And I, and it's not that I'm like an e-bike lover and I think e-bikes should be on every trail, everything else. I think it's a complex issue, but I do think that there are a ton of great uses for e-bikes. Absolutely. So, yep. Uh, putting it in, putting, hiding a motor in your frame is not one of them. Yeah. Uh, water bottle full of whiskey. Yes. I think that you may just have that supplied to you somewhere yeah, I think along just the course. Give that to you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, thanks for your help and keep shredding the gnar. And he says, PS, I was born in Prescott and thank you for saying it correctly. It's Prescott like biscuit. Here we are. Prescott. Prescott. If anybody ever wonders, just remember biscuit. That works well. Hmm. So are, is, is Prescott near Sedona? It is actually oh. it's on the way. I think we're going to go through Prescott. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we can go and stop like at a gas station or something and, and pronounce it correctly. And get a biscuit maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. We'll go to a biscuit store. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah. Good luck, Daniel. Yeah. Sounds, Sounds fun. fun. Put mm-hmm. some 29ers on it. Lighter bars, lighter wheels, carbon. Yeah. And some whiskey. <laughs> there we go. Jeff says, hey there, I'm riding from the beautiful Mecca of mountain biking, British Columbia, Canada. Love the show. And the reason I'm riding is because I'm looking for a good, honest, no bullcrap answer. First of all, I will give you a little bio. I'm a male, 46 years old, 200 pounds ish. And I've been riding mountain bikes for a solid year and a half. Now I ride a 2015 Marin Mount Vision XM nine carbon. That's one of their higher spec bikes. Yes. Yeah, that is their, uh, that's one of their trail bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, my ride was spec'd out with a Fox factory flow, 32 millimeter, 150 millimeter fork. We think that that's an error. We think it might be because I've never heard of a 150 32. That bike is supposed to be spec'd with a 140 mm-hmm. and you can't convert a 32 up to 150. I don't even think they make the damper or air cartridge assembly in a 150. They'd be like stilts. Yeah. That would be like standing on spaghetti stilts. Cooked spaghetti stilts. Can you imagine? (laughs) Like if you like hit it, like when you went into the air, it'd be like, like like make the wobbling noise. Well, if you ever need to tune your piano. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, not that 10 millimeters, cause they do make the 32 millimeter and a 140. They did. They don't they did. anymore. They used to. Gotcha. So the, if you going for 140 now, you get a 34, yeah. correct? Fox 34. Okay. So he says, I want to consider myself a super aggressive rider yet. Oh, forgive me. Let me jump back. He says, luckily I've been able to ride an insane amount over the last six months or so. And I'm now to the point where I feel I am over my, overriding my fork. Forgive me. He says, I wouldn't consider myself a super aggressive rider yet, but hey, I'm a guy and guys do stupid things. Indeed they do. We also do smart things every once in a while. This is true. This is true. Like not piss off the women in our lives. (laughs) There we go. That's usually a good thing. Anyways, I'll get to the point. I'm looking looking at upgrading to a Fox 34, 36 and a float or Talus or the old faithful pike. Knowing that our terrain is a mixed bag of everything, in your opinion, which direction should I go and why? Also throw in any other opinions that you may have as this will be a fairly costly upgrade. And I want it to last a while. Um, I would say stay away from the Talus or the Pike with the the uh, travel adjust damper. Um, I think that 
you know, a one just replacing it with a beefier 140, whether you pick a pike or you do a 36 or even the 34. The new 34 chassis and 34 damper systems are way better than they've been in the past. There you go. Um, I still think that the 36 chassis is the ultimate chassis um, from Fox. The ability for you to go from 110 to 160 mils of travel all within the same parts that you have and totally tune the damper in five air, the air, sorry, tune the air spring curve. Um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I would say if you want to save a little money, put a Fox 34 on it. But if you don't mind spending the money, put a 36 on it. Yeah. I know so many people with trail bikes running 36s these days. And if you're looking yeah. for the, for the, the in-betweener there, the Goldilocks situation, you would can be just go for the pike because yeah. it's 35. Absolutely. Um, and <clears throat> the one thing I would say for BC, depending on the type of riding you're doing Fox, and this isn't necessarily the case because you can tune it with different, um, you can put in different, like, you know, I, why can't I think of the things? The air volume spacers. Spacers, that's it. Yeah. Uh, you can put those in and, and tune the feeling of, of the pike, for example. Yeah. Um, but Fox tends to have a little bit more suppleness right off the top, a little less support, though. So if you're like the type of rider that, and this is tendency, once again, you can tune around this, yes. but, um, this is just like off the, out of the box type of stuff. Yeah. So they'll lack a little more support. So if you're the type of rider that really likes to be active and put a lot of feedback into the bike, mm -hmm. like me, I prefer the feeling of a pike because, yeah. or a rock shocks feeling because it's a little more supportive and I'm okay with sacrificing a bit of that initial plushness, but that's also because I'm a light rider. So yeah. I can really have that compression tuning really light yeah. on the thing. At 200 plus pounds or 200 ish pounds like me, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you were to pick a 34 or I'm sorry, a 36 and you went with the fit four damper, what Jonathan is talking about with the the support of the pike mm -hmm. is medium mode on your damper. There you go. On the 36. Whereas Crazy. you'll get all the plushness out of open mode, mm -hmm. you get that mid support in uh, medium mode. Cool. So it is tunable. Awesome. So yeah. either one. I guess, honestly, when it comes down to it, Fox to Rock Shocks on the forks, it's coming down to what can you get the best deal on? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And yeah. also, you know, what do you like if, if you want, you know, the ability to have high and low speed compression and rebound yep. damping, you're going to have point. to pick a 36 RC2. Yep. So, um, but if you, if you want some if sort all that of a stuff lockout, gives you a headache too, yeah. and you just don't want to deal with all yeah. the different settings, then you can do a fit four damper 36 or a pike. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pikes are going to be a little heavier than the 36 actually. Are they really? Yeah, they are. I, I mean, I mean, we're talking a hundred grams, I think a hundred or 120 grams. It's okay. not much depending but on they're still heavy. Too, of course, I would uh, assume. Or typically no? no, all the internals are the same. It's just set at a different ride yeah, height exactly. basically. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. There we go. Uh, Peter says, please help with my dilemma. I have a specialized Epic full suspension carbon XC bike that I bought mainly to do cross country races with last year. I did the silver rush 50 in the Leadville stage race this year. I'm signed up for the silver rush 50 in the Leadville stage race and the Leadville trail 100. I'm wondering if I should upgrade my wheels. I currently have a Revol control aluminum wheels, which came standard with the bike. Should I upgrade or keep what I have? Thanks for your input. Peter. Those are good, basic Wheels, they're light. Revolves yeah. known for doing a white, uh, light wheel. Um, I had those, and and they did. Uh, they 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 were creative wheels, and what I mean by that is they like to express themselves in different shapes after every ride. So uh, okay. <laughs> yes, so they didn't yeah. stay true very. No, often. no. Um, they're they're good for most people, but if you if you're kind of like a hard charger, you're riding in rocky terrain a lot, or. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're like cat one level type of stuff, then, okay. you know, you're definitely, I would say you should look for something. I, I think once again, we've talked about it before already in this podcast, but go with the Crestmark threes. 
Yeah, that'd they're be cheap. Great, cheap they're wielder. more durable. There's a wider internal width, so you'll be able to run a tire that's like a two-two with less rolling resistance mm-hmm. because it won't be so pinched, which will be awesome. Um, yeah, that, that's what I would say. That's what I would upgrade to. If you have some more coin to drop, then uh, they did just announce those new crests. Uh, the CB sevens, I think they're called. Did okay. you see that? I did not. Uh, new crest and I think new arch or new flows, one of the two. But they, I think that I think I'm not sure, but it looks like these wheels are kind of like predecessors to the Bravo and the Valor that okay. they have right now. I believe okay. the Valor. Yeah, uh, those are their like XC Enduro or Trail Enduro, and then XC XC Trail wheels that okay. they have. So gotcha. um, it looks like those are, are are coming up to replace those. They're carbon wheels. They're Plenty light. and So be, uh, they'll be the successors of the Valor successors, and Bravo. That's it. Yeah. You said predecessor. Predecessors. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's Friday. Um, but yeah, so you could, if you have some more coin to drop, you could go for that route. Or you could look at something like the, if you have a lot of coin to drop, go for the 525s. They're freaking awesome. Yeah. So. And there's also, you know, good wheel options from Mavic. Um, yep. You know, the XA Pro Carbons. Um, or even the XA Pro Aluminums. Those are ridiculously lightweight, super strong, good wide internal base. So on yeah. a race like Leadville, um, Sirium Pro Disc All Road Gravel Wheels. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> I would air tour also toward like a compliant wheel. Yeah. Just because it's such a long day. That is a long day. So like if you're looking at a wheel and you want one that's like, I, I would just, if you have the chance, I would go for more compliance, whatever wheel you end up going for. Absolutely. Adam says, hey, guys, love your podcast. I listen on Google Play Music, but I downloaded to iTunes to give you a well-deserved five stars. Thanks, Adam. Man, I'm tired today, huh? You are. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Sorry. You Uh, Canadian right now? Yay. He says, I had to play catch up on the episodes because I only started riding uh, riding XC in September, and my friend Travis put me on to you guys. Shout out to Travis. Travis. You man. Hey. Hey, Hey. Hey guy. Hey. He says, since then, I have ridden numerous trails in Florida, such as uh, Alafia and Santos, which are super fun. Never heard of them. Mm. Cool. I have seen some cool looking trails there, and and they kind of like have a bunch of bike park features and stuff. Yeah. I had two questions. Number one, I recently converted a one by chain ring and ended up shearing my KMC master link on a climb. I had a second one in my camelback and quickly changed it on the trail. My question is, are the KMC missing link master links garbage or are these tree trunks of legs just too powerful? <laughs> and do you have suggestions on how to prevent this from happening again? Uh, less Watts would certainly break less chains. However, I don't think that's the problem here. Okay. I've actually had the same problem with using KMC master links on non KMC chains before. Interesting. Because I've only used the KMC links on KMC chains, never had a problem. Right. But if I go with, you know, any other brand of chain, whether it's a Shimano or a SRAM, I use SRAM's power links only. Yeah. Because Shimano did just release their quick links. Yes. But I have no experience with those whatsoever. I, yeah. Yeah. I would, seri- I would almost rather have my seat post snap off than my chain snap. Well, yeah, because you can ride standing up, but you can't. Like, I mean, you can stride your bike if you want to do it. When but. it gets bad, like when you snap a chain, it's usually in the worst moment possible and Absolutely. the crashes are brutal. Yeah. I've actually snapped the top tube on a road bike before because my chain snapped in a sprint. Wow. Yes. How'd that happen? You know. Well, you snapped the top tube because your knee flew into the top tube and broke it or when you crashed the top tube? Other parts it. flew into that top ah, tube. Yes. Yes. Your lady bits. Man. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, your man, Lady Bits. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. He says, are you going to get any more likes to party stickers in stock? They're on their way. We yes. know We know stickers make your bike go faster. And we all like to party here. You know what else do are the likes to party top cap assemblies. True story. Yeah. And there will be more of them. Or actually, you can order them right now. Yeah. Just go onto the website. Yeah. You can order them. Bam. Yeah. Get yourself a top cap. Take a picture of it. Put it on Instagram. That'd be rad. Yeah. Go to our website. Find the link. Go. MTBpodcast.com. Yes. Uh, six. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why six. Um, Stocking stuffers. Yes, exactly. Uh, did you see? No. I tagged you in this today. <sighs> Wait, what? Transition on their Sentinel has a, a sticker that's, or it's like underneath the clear coat that says engineered to party. <gasps> I think you started that. I... I'm very upset right now. <laughs> I'm calling my lawyer. I don't even have a lawyer, but I'm calling him. I think you started it, dude. It says engineered to party. Should we get transition on the phone I one think, of these days? I think we should. We should. <laughs> I think they listen to the podcast. It makes sense. What do you I mean, mean you think they do? Yeah, I mean, I know they do. Yeah. So, yeah. There well, we are, man. I mean, well done, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're making it. You're, you are a trend starter, sir. Yes. That was your That was your thing. I like it. It is your thing, not was. Yeah. Congrats, man. Way I mean, it's the world's thing at this point. At I have this set point. it free. <laughs> yes. From Gary. He says, congratulations on an awesome podcast. Five and a half stars out of five. Yeah. I wonder if he rides a Yeti 5.5. Five. I think he wants to. Uh-huh. Or he does. Yeah. One of the two. Uh, I bet he does. He says, you guys are by far the best MTB related show online. I've been bringing on your, or binging on your special, on your episodes, forgive me, since discovering your podcast in December 2017. So much so, I had to upgrade my prepaid mobile phone plan to accommodate my MTB podcast marathon. Cellular, Sorry about that. Cellular data charges in Australia are ridiculous. Shoot. You know, I actually compress the file before I upload it specifically for that reason. No. Oh. To try to make it smaller so it doesn't ruin people's data plans. But they're still really big files. Yeah. Like, course. you know, it's a lot of audio. So, Sorry, y'all. Well, if you, you know, one of the things, I don't know what phone you have or whatever in Australia, but you can actually set your downloads to only download our podcast when yes. you're on Wi-Fi. Yes. So that could help you substantially well a lot of people yes yeah mm -hmm. good thing to look into and if you don't have that setting within the itunes app i don't know i never use the itunes app i use pocket cast for all of my podcasts it's called what i don't even know this what yeah i use pocket cast well i i hate my cast so okay side story i'm really <laughs> upset right now yeah, yeah i used to be able to so i have a really nice um speaker on my nightstand in my room it's a paradigm pw 600 it's like oh, you're gonna say like a bose wave radio no you dropped I, in your cassette i like quality <laughs> come on you know me you've seen everything that i own this is true um so i have this really nice like oh, it's like an 800 speaker mm -hmm. um on my nightstand and i used to listen to the podcast on that. You used to listen to our dulcet tones yeah, over it, it high quality. Yeah, it helped me to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but ever since they updated the new, the iTunes podcast app on the iPhone, mm -hmm. I can no longer connect to my PlayFi, um, the DTS PlayFi app, which is okay. what um, is required for like your Spotify right. and all that will play through it. But for some reason, the podcast, I can't put it through... Wi-Fi anymore oh. to that speaker. So check so out Pocket Cast. That's my favorite one. Okay. There's Downcast. There's so many podcast apps. I just don't um, know these things. I don't pay there's attention. There's a ton of them. And basically they all feed off of the iTunes library. Gotcha. The iTunes library is the epicenter for every podcast app. They all feed off of it. Gotcha. Okay. So you don't have to upload it to a specific one. Stitcher is unique in that respect. But okay. um, Pocket Cast is a super clean interface. You can set it so that like it has specific. So we don't have like much of an intro on this one. It's just that short intro song and that's it. And the reason for that is because I don't like wasting people's time. Yeah. And I hate when podcasts have an intro that I hear every week and it adds no value. For so, like two minutes. 
Yeah, yeah. it's annoying. Or when like like uh, the Pulp MX show, bless Steve Mathis's heart, but yeah. he rolls through ads for the first five minutes of the show every time. I've almost had to turn it off a few times. Oh, it's so bad. I think when we were coming back from um, Sea Otter last year, we were yeah. wa- listening to an episode and we made it nine minutes in before they started talking yes. about anything. And I was just like, come on, this is ridiculous. So you can actually set up like pre-times like to skip ahead. Okay. So you say with this podcast, I know that the intro is 47 seconds long. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to skip to second 47 and that, and I'll set that as a setting for this podcast only. Nice. That way, every time you start, it'll start then. Um, you can also set with that one, you can set custom skip ahead durations. So mm-hmm. if you want to skip ahead 30 seconds, but then on your back button, you can make that five seconds skips back. Nice. That's the pro setup. That's how I have it. So anyways, uh, handy stuff. Cool. Back to our question. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so he says, my question relates to a really noisy disc brake. I have a 2014 aluminum Nolly Warden with XT brakes. I recently replaced the front pads with non-original centered pads without the radiator fins. I have previously replaced the rear with genuine fin pads at a cost of around $45 Australian and suffered no problems. A few mates said that they said for the relatively small amount of hard riding I do, I should be able to get away without using the fin pads as I wouldn't need the cooling design feature they offer. So I opted for a cheaper generic centered pad only with no radiator attachment mm-hmm. while bleeding there while bedding, forgive me, bedding in these pads, they began to squeal. I thought they would settle, but the screeching only became worse. I've tried cleaning both pads and rotor with brake and cleaning solution with no result. I lightly sanded both, both pads and rotors with wet and dry 800 grit sandpaper, which did not help. Finally, I hit the pads and rotor well, rotor really well with a blowtorch to hopefully burn any contaminants off, sanded and cleaned and reassembled and still my front brake is screaming when I ride. Is there anything else I can do? Have I done too much and now have to replace my pads and rotor? And is it a problem or a risk to save some dollars and not use the fin pads that Shimano recommended? Summer riding is generally very warm and dusty on Australia. So thanks for any and all advice you can offer. You know, I, I hate to say this, but this all is caused by the cheap centered pads. Centered it's pads not the, are not, it's not the radiator fins. No, it's, it's not the pads. It's the cheap pad material. Um, it's also the aftermarket. A lot of aftermarket pads don't quite fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the design of the base of the pad, it might not be quite big enough. So it might be vibrating in there. There's I've even of, seen some pads actually have mm-hmm. like where the pad is. So there's the back backing mm-hmm. of the pad, which is metal and where the pad is. I've actually seen that not be straight. Yeah. So that's like, you know, it actually is slightly misshapen, which will make things howl big yeah. time too. So, you know, honestly, if I were you, if you want to stick to aftermarket pads, look at um, Jaguar's Pro Semi-Metallics or their Extreme Centered Pads. Mm-hmm. What I will tell you about the Centered's is the Centered Pads ultimately work far better than anything else out there, but they have to be warm. So yeah. when you, when you grab the, you grab a fistful of those brakes when they're cold and they do not work very well at all. <laughs> um, I don't think you are having, I don't think you ruined your rotor. Yeah. Um, I Although think check if it's bent, also, I assume uh, you have, but yeah, also, yeah. Check to make sure it's still good and square and it's not worn down at all, but you should be able to throw a good set of pads in there. But this, I think mostly was caused by the cheap aftermarket pads, either go back to your stock pads, which I'm sorry, but uh, with the XTs and XTRs, I always run the stock the semi-metallic pads. Yeah. I don't run the resins. I run the metal pads. I've lived this life before. Yeah. I, I just go for the better pads. Yeah. And so worst case, if you want to go aftermarket, go with the Jaguars and then just make sure you bed them in properly. That's I guarantee it. that all the hassle you've been through, you would so gladly pay just a little bit extra for a set of pads that just removed this hassle from Absolutely. Your life, you know? it's Yeah. 
David says, Jonathan and Steven, I was stoked to hear my question answered on the podcast today in regards to moving from a hardtail 29 to possibly a Canyon spectral. I need help. And this can be answered off air, uh, but we're going to answer it on there. He oh, says, okay. That's yeah, good. Yeah. The reason for that is because I, I, I feel like I can actually provide an opinion on one of these bikes. So okay. he says, seriously, I need some support. I'm flip-flopping back and forth and it's driving me crazy. Canyon Spectral AL 6.0 or the 2018 YT Jeff C AL 29, which if you ask the pink bike comments is just the same bike, by the way. So <laughs> they kept saying it was like exactly the same. Yeah. Um, he says, I don't have knowledge when it comes to components and such. I just want to ride and have fun. I'm hoping to buy in the next day or two. So your answer means a lot to me. Thank you, sirs. Well, David, hopefully you, uh, you know, hopefully this, we didn't leave you hanging because yeah. you submitted this more than a few days ago, but. I would actually say in this case to go with the, so it's tricky. I would say go with the spectral because it has a better component spec. You've got GX Eagle yep. versus going with a standard one by 11 drivetrain on the mm-hmm. Jeff Yeah. Um, the component spec other than that, isn't too far off in terms of comparable quality, but the one thing is that's a little bit unknown for me. I haven't ridden the new spectral. Not many people have. No. Uh, the new Jeffsy or the Jeffsy, a lot of people have ridden. And what people say about the Jeffsy is that it's great, but if you get it into really rowdy conditions where the trail is really, really bumpy and is like chattery and gnarly, that bike, and I have felt this when I rode that bike, it's extremely progressive mm-hmm. and it gets a little huckabuck, a little rowdy. Yeah. When it, like, it, it kicks back a bit on you. Even if you calm the rebound damping down, then you just get a situation where it's, 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 you just start stacking. Down, yeah. And then it really hits hard. So yeah. it's kind of tricky. And the thing is, you can combat a lot of that with a better shock in a lot of cases. Yeah. But this lower end one that you're getting doesn't have a really complex shock that you'd be able to dial in high and low speed compression and all this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I would say the spectral, but that also is, there's a big asterisk. I assume the spectral is good, but I don't know that. Yeah. We don't know for, you know, for certain we've never ridden it. Um, I like the spectral over the YT as yeah. well. Component spec at the very least. Yes. Uh, component spec. And I'm sorry, but that candy red that it comes in. Oh, it's pretty, huh? Oh. Yeah. Reminds me of my old trailblazer. Yeah. That pretty. thing was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the Jeffsy, I think in that spec is black and red, which is this guy's like really similar <laughs> yeah, choices. Funny. Yeah. And they're a very similar bike all the way around. Very yep. similar linkage, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I like the, the spec on the, yeah. on the GX Eagle. Price so. is basically the same too. I think it's a hundred dollars difference. Yeah. So I say go um, with the Canyon personally. Yeah, I would, yeah. I wouldn't as well. So Axel, uh, this is the last one. He says, hey, it's Axel from Sweden here again. Hey, he says, hey. did you know, by the way, that we're big in Sweden? <laughs> he says, I got another question answered a few months ago. And yes, you are big in oh, Sweden. <laughs> see? Nice. <laughs> the best podcast for sure, he says. Awesome. There we are. I, I have a Swedish friend, actually. She's a pro triathlete. Okay. Uh, her name is Osa Lundström. Mm-hmm. She used to train here in Reno for quite a while. She's awesome. Oh. Uh, I, I like had never, didn't never had any contact with people from Sweden before. Awesome mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So... Uh, yes, we do have a review too that says we're big in Sweden. We do. Yeah. <laughs> on iTunes. Check it out. It's pretty awesome. If you guys don't know, we have 295 reviews on, on iTunes right now yeah. and they're all five stars. Well, yeah, we're five star close. podcast. We're close. We're getting There's like there. two that are four star. Yeah. And we're, we're hoping to drag those up. So four yeah. star reviewers, we're trying to do our best. Yes. Um, but yeah, we got a, a review last week that just says, yeah, they're big in Sweden. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> so he says to my question, I'm going to the U S in April and we'll stay for two weeks with a few friends and family members to ra- to race the U S cup at Fontana and Benelli park. They're both XCO races. 
He says they're both HC Junior World Series events, so it'll be tough competition and it'll be interesting. So HC, that's um, UCI HC, means like the highest level of competition. Uh-huh. So HC is hors category, I believe. Ah. Category, mm-hmm. something like that. It's French. Ah. Yes. Good. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so he says, I'm very excited. I'm wondering if you guys have any knowledge about these tracks and if there's anything special I should know about the races. If you know, Jonathan, I guess. He says, no offense to you, he says, but XC seems not like your cup of tea. Hmm. I prefer gonna, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but. You're going to prove him wrong this year. I am. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be doing Stay some. some Stay tuned for yeah. things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He says, uh, what's the track like? Tire choice, jet lag tips. And other general things that for that uh, would be good for me to know, both race-wise and visiting your country. Uh, maybe a long question, but thanks in advance from Axel. First of all, Axel has a pretty cool name. I could never pull off a name like Axel. Okay. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> oh. I thought you were going to kind of follow up and say, yeah, me, t- me same here or something yeah. like that. You just really agreed. Like, yeah, you could not pull that name off, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the lack of splines on one end. Yes, and yeah. <laughs> the fact that you don't turn. Good joke. That yeah. was good. Yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. So I do know quite a lot about both of these courses. I've raced both multiple times, and I know a good amount about the areas. Benelli's in a super nice area. And I say super nice. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're in Beverly Hills or something, but it's nice. Yeah. You're going to be in the San Dimas area, which you should prep yourself for this by watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because they went to San Dimas High School. They did. And then you'll think of Bill and Ted the whole time while you're there. Mm-hmm. But it actually happens um, at a beautiful park right by a lake. Uh, the course, a lot of people bag on this course, and I am not a big fan of it, but it's a challenging course. It's a ton of hard off and ons. And I'm sharing this also partly because for all of us here in the U.S., I, th- I don't know if Los Angeles did official get the uh, officially get the Olympics bid. I don't know. But they're going for it, and I think that it's likely that they're going to get it. And if so, that's where the XC venue is going to be. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And uh, I don't think we're going to have enduro in the Olympics or downhill anytime soon. So if you're a mountain biker of any type, you should support that event. It's Absolutely. pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, but that one is very much like the only technical, technical aspect is they'll bring in a few logs. Forgive me, bring in a few logs and rocks. Okay. And that's it. There's like no technicality. It's just super steep little climbs, you know, have like 12 of them per lap. Yeah. And it's a pretty brutal course in that respect. Fontana is much more fun, traditional mountain biking. You have rock slabs and spots. You have like wide open, fast off camber sections. You have cool switchbacks and it's all based on one mountain. Mm -hmm. However, Fontana is the opposite. It's in kind of a ghetto area. But the thing to know about Fontana is that it usually falls very close to the same weekend that the NASCAR race happens on. And if you're there, it is insane. You can hear the NASCAR like race going on and it's yeah. like over five miles away. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. insane how yeah. loud it is. And also getting parking there can be tough. So one thing I would say is if you're staying in, or if you're going to Benelli, there's a bunch of hotels. There's like a best Western and then in cycle has a huge shop. That's like really close to it. Yep. I would go to in cycle. It's really great. And then I would spend time, go to in cycle. And if there's a guy named Scott that's there, talk to him and ask him about trails that you can ride going up into the mountains, the San Gabriel's from there. They're really awesome mm-hmm. if you have that spare time. And then if you're going to Fontana, um, I recommend driving in to where the race course is and not stay, not caring about staying very close just because it's not the greatest area. So uh, yeah, Fontana is a fun or, or a more fun track. Benelli is a more fun area. That's what I would say. Jet lag tips. Do you have any, Steven? No. 
Not really. Okay. It's not my cup of tea. Remember. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. uh, but tire choice. The one thing I would say is Fontana is looser, deeper dirt. It's like loose over hard. It's decomposed granite in a lot of spots. Yeah. Whereas Benelli is just hard pack. So Benelli, you could go for something that has like very minimal knobs, something with like really small knobs, like a Thunderbird or, mm-hmm. um, you could go with an Aspen, but an Aspen might even be like overkill. You might be able to get away with something even less at, at, at Benelli. But yeah, I think most people go with something like an Aspen there. Um, but if you're going to go with something like Fontana, I see people put on icons, okay. that sort of a thing there, okay. or they just keep running the Aspen. So gotcha. I ran ardent race at both. They're great. I've ran icons at both. I've ran specialized fast track and renegades. Um, I think of both. So, okay. Yeah. So no minion DHFs. No, not needed in okay. any way. You said log and I just was like, hmm, this might be my cup of tea. <laughs> it's no, it's like, not. No, it's like genuinely like a three foot wide log, but that's on its side. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's only like, you know, a foot and a half in diameter. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Steven, close it out with the tips. Yes. You don't care they're counting on your tips to live? Okay, uh, Stephen, can you are you ready to go first yet I this am, week? Actually. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, so it, we all know I love lots of Mavic things. Mm-hmm. Pretty much their wheels and their shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to make some white high end Crossmax SL shoes, yeah, you got a buyer. There you go for one of them. White, one pair, not yeah. one shoe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, continue. Good. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe in the ladies' line they do. I wonder if they do in the women's version of the show. <laughs> Thanks, guy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'll ask. Um, so the I use their Crossmax Ultimate, the SL Ultimate shoe for gravel, cyclocross, XC stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to talk about their D Max Pro, the new lace up. Um, it's going a little old school. It's lace up mm-hmm. with a. Uh, a Velcro strap over the top of it. And they're just super comfy shoes, you know, just replacing my old Crossmax shoes, um, that they're, were their Enduro shoe. And this is like their Enduro DH shoe. It's more comfortable. Um, but it gets rid of all tech wires and straps and everything. And just, it's nice and simple. It'll hmm. always work. Cause it's a lace up hmm. and they're very comfortable to wear. Unless you can't tie laces. This is true. Yes. Yeah. Um, in which I, I would recommend YouTube in that case. This is true. Yeah, no, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only thing I would recommend is they run about a half size small. Ah. compared to every other shoe, even their shoes. That's a very valuable tip. Yeah. How do they fit in terms of four foot width? Uh, four foot width is nice and wide like Mavics typically are. They're they're cool. wider than like a- um, Than a Giro. Like Diodora or um, what's the other brand that I'm thinking of the that makes the- No, the Dracos. Um, I used to have CD. the Draco CD, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so CDs are very narrow in the feet compared to Mavics. Um, I really like them. They fit really good. The heel box is a little bit narrower. Yeah. So that's- exactly how my foot fits so they're yeah. and they're just really good and comfortable they look really like a like you could probably hit a tree and you'd fare okay with them too surprisingly they like they're not i'm not getting it like they're bulky they just look really protective versus a lot of shoes that don't seem to yeah. focus on that very good protection around the edge of your feet um but they're they're really comfortable and they're not big cumbersome bulky shoes at all yeah they're just really good and look they have at, a good at, solid base too right the heel is you know the, the sole is nice and stiff so it actually gives you a good pedaling platform nice yeah uh, I'm going to talk about something that I've talked about before for my tips, but I'm going to talk about my Quare kit. That's C-U-O-R-E. They make my custom kits for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I design them, then they produce them for me. Yeah. The other day, I pulled out two kits from Plastic that I kept all year. Mm-hmm. The brand new kit, I cannot tell the difference between the kit that I've worn all year and the brand new kit. Nice. 
How crazy is that? That's good. So, like, so the, a big problem for me with kits is uh, I don't like sausage legs. I hate it. Mm-hmm. And I don't like bibs that have like a separate band that's like a gripper. Down okay. There. Not a yeah. fan of that. Okay. I want it to all just be one piece coming down. Mm-hmm. Uh, silicone grippers are, are okay. But this, these shorts, the new ones, they don't even have them because they have like perfectly graduated compression. Okay. It's the most comfortable thing you've ever put on. Nice. Um, but anyways, usually like black shorts get stretched out. They fade in color or Lycra just gets stretched out and it doesn't fit as well. And it turns like Um, a really weird dingy brown color. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and then it becomes slightly transparent, which is not great for anybody following you. Yeah. It's not, not a good view. So anyways, but I pulled out that stuff and it still looks brand new. Like it's, it's expensive kit but I promise you that it pays off on getting higher end kit in this case. Yeah. I can't say that across the board. Like I'm not, for example, a huge fan of Rafa's bibs mm-hmm. and I know Rafa's very roadie and everything else, Yeah. but like their jackets, their vests and their warmers. Like if you ever need arm warmers or leg warmers, just, just don't get, get Rafa's. Yeah. Don't get a, a single other brands. Yeah. Their Merino ones are so good. Yeah. Like they make some stuff that's incredible, but I don't like their bibs very much, but mm-hmm. these ones from Quarry are just top notch. So they do, they do have some stuff that's non-custom, but if you have any custom needs or anything else, that's what they, that's kind of like their bread and butter. Yeah. But you can get stuff that's non-custom too. So it's an incredible kit. So, uh, yeah, I don't ever want to change kit from them. Nice. Anywho, that's all we got, Steven. Lovely. Uh, we're going to be back with a normal episode next week. Mm-hmm. And you can submit your questions to us, comments, anything else, buy things, uh, that'll help us get to Sedona and see Otter and put out awesome content and hopefully meet up with you guys when you're there. Uh, maybe if you guys donate enough, we can all, we can put it on the house and have MTB podcast pay for the whole thing. Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet, right? No, totally. Uh, so anyways, go to mtbpodcast.com, share the podcast with your mates mm-hmm. and we'll talk to y'all next week. Have a nice day. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.